0: You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. Today's scripture reading is from Luke 5, 17 through 26. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are are sick. I have come to call the righteous. No, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Hope. So we are working through Luke's book, um, and we are discovering these encounters that Jesus is having, um, most of them face-to-face encounters that... Are transforming them. What we are discovering also is not only is Jesus discovering, I mean, coming face to face with people and they're discovering him and they are being transformed. There are some people who are coming face to face with Jesus and at this time, they're not finding that transforming joy. And what I want to ask is before we pray, and before we get into this, I want to ask you if you've ever really blown it in life. I mean, like really blown it. I'm not talking about blowing it like I did on Friday night where I, I smoked the steaks a little too long. Um, and, and I was miserable about that. Um, uh, my, it was funny because my family were sitting there, they're trying to comfort me. And I'm just like, this is really bad, I'm sorry. I'm not talking about that because I got over that. I can always smoke another steak, right? Hopefully do it better. But I'm talking about decision points in your life, the crowd you're hanging with, The people that you find yourself sort of, I hate to say it this way, but just sort of kind of glued to or stuck to because maybe they're the only ones that are just going to take you the way you are, but you feel like in a way that you've blown it because you're just kind of, you see nothing really growing and developing in your life. Maybe it's it's choices you've made this week. Maybe it's reactions or overreactions that you've you've been a part of in your life that just um, that you're not real proud of. Well, I want to welcome you to the story of Levi. And before we get into this, let's pray and ask him to help us celebrate the gospel in the story. Lord, as Dana just prayed, as we just sang, we thank you, thank you, thank you for your commitment, your commitment to our life change, your commitment to our joy, your commitment to to seek us, to save us, to redeem us, to give us a story that doesn't point to us but points to you. Thank you for us. Thank you for coming to us and allowing us to see the beauty in it so that we have no problem pointing to you instead of us. In fact, it even doubles our joy to do that. Thank you for being that real. And if there's anybody in this room that does not know Jesus in that very real way, I don't, it doesn't matter, Lord, how long they've been praying the prayers or attending different things. Lord, if it's not real, I pray today, you make it real to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there are three types of people or three specifics people in this text that we should notice. There is a financially successful man who's desperately wanting. There's a group of religious leaders who aren't. And then there's a savior who comes with a purpose. This is the encounter of Jesus with Levi, who we come to know as Matthew. If you look in the the stories and the meta-narrative of the Bible. You go all the way through it and you'll come to the New Testament. And the very first book is the book of Matthew. It was written by this person who once went by the name of Levi. Levi is a man who is desperately wanting. Now you may not see that just at first glance in this text. Levi was a collector of the text. He was Desperately wanting purpose, he was desperately wanting um, a, a true leader to follow. He was desperately wanting a life given vision for his life. And I want to start off just by reminding you that we know of the stories that were told of those who coll- who collaborated with Nazi Germany during World War II. If you haven't heard the stories, these were people, whether maybe in the Netherlands or France or Poland or or some of the outlying countries that when the Nazi Germans would come into their villages or their towns and and sort of conquer and take it over, these are the, the people from those towns who would collaborate with them. They would assume, perhaps, that the Nazis were going to, this was going to be the new reality, the new norm, they were going to control things, so they would support or House or favor or give food to um, the oppressor in a way. They would give of their expenses and they would treat the enemy who defeated them in their own town and they would treat them in such a way with such honor and respect, giving them everything. Imagine then the isolation, the loneliness, the immense amount of shame that came whenever Nazi Germany lost the war and Hitler surrendered. Imagine the immense amount of shame that everyone you bumped into, if you were this collaborator, whether it was at the grocery store, whether it was at getting gas, dropping the kids off at this place or that place at school, you couldn't join a rec league, uh, there was no uh, membership probably to the courts, and whatever it is, wherever you bumped into, you were bumping into people whom you wounded, people whom you stabbed in the back, people who you hurt. You would be labeled the traitor and there was no way of getting that off of you. You would, you would want to peel it off your skin. You'd want to get it off your, you try to do good works, but day after day after day, what you were experiencing was the vitriol and the hatred from those whom you've put in harm's way by collaborating with the enemy. This is the culture and this is the life of, Levi, a Jewish man who was a tax collector in Jesus' day. And this is the Levi that encounters Jesus, this person. Levi, a Jewish man, worked in a sense for the Romans. He would sit at his booth along the shorelines where he collected some sort of a tax or a tariff and he would collect from the Jewish people, his own people. He would take the money from them and he'd give it to the oppressing people, the Romans. He was there doing, you would think that this is part of his job, but here's what was also really messy about this the Roman guards would sort of even stick it to the Jewish people even more that even though it was against the law for the Jewish tax collector to skim some up the top or to charge extra, the Roman guards would sometimes even allow that to happen, look the other way, so that the Jewish people can even feel the oppression even more. So this is what tax collectors would do. They would... On behalf of the Romans, they would collaborate with them, take money from their own people, and then they would even, some would skim at the top and get really, really wealthy in the process. So picture with me the daily vitriol, the daily hatred as the Jews would come and pray every day for the Lord to deliver them from the very people that Levi was working for. And every day they would pass this booth that Levi sat and worked in. Every day, putting a face, a very real face to what was oppressing them. And it wasn't just those who were praying for deliverance that would pass by. It was those who would work hard, those who would fish and sow and and, and do all the other trades, trying to make a living for their family. It was... It was all of these people that saw and knew this guy and his collaboration with Rome. His partnership with the Romans mixed in with the probability that he was also selfish most likely left Levi without any genuine fellowship at all. The Romans didn't really care about him. They used him. And he had no friends to fall back on than Jews hated him he this is a man who needs change this is a man who needs to change this is a man who needs a purpose and a mission uh and he probably can't get out of what he's in have you ever felt like that that you're so deep into something you don't have a way out you're so deep into something that the people that you would rely on to give you a hand to get pulled out of it you don't they don't really want to put their hand down and so you don't really know who's going to be there to help you He longs for someone to notice him as a human, not his occupation, not his stuck in a rut career, not his label of traitor. Who in the world would ever notice this guy? And what he really hurts for, he is desperate. Have you ever felt like this? Desperate for someone to notice the real you? not not the reputation you, not the one bad weekend of choices you, not the made a mistake and it led to this decade of bad choices you, but the the you that you knew God created you to be but you don't know how to get there you. This is where we, is. he is desperate for somebody to notice him, the real him. He, he needs to know why he was created. He needs to know What his life is for. He needs to be rescued and he needs to be saved. Because he has no real ally, no real help, no real place to go for healing, he's stuck. So, on this day, in this text that we read, most everyone's ecstatic. Levi is on the fringe. He has to be intrigued about what's going on. He has. Just noticed, if you were here last week, we we looked at the story right before this where Jesus healed the... the, There were some guys that helped uh, their friend up onto the roof and they were tearing apart the roof. They let him down and Jesus healed him and spoke words of forgiveness on his soul. And that created a stir. And it created a... uh, It riled up some people uh, with, Oh, my word, what's he saying? Oh, my word, what's he doing? And then also stirred up people to question him. We see in Acts, I'm sorry, Acts, Luke chapter four, verse 26. We see chapter five, verse 26. The response here it says, and amazement sees them all and they glorify God and we're filled with all saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. And Levi sits right outside this place at his booth witnessing this scene. Looking at these amazed crowds. He also had to notice the Pharisees and the scribes. He probably took it all in. So that's Levi. We also have another group here, the Pharisees and the scribes. The Pharisees were on a different axis than Levi was, where Levi was most likely um, living a life that skirted the ethics of right and wrong. The, The Pharisees and Uh, The scribes did the opposite. They lived and died by the ethics of what was written in the law. If they couldn't find a place for their understanding, then their understanding would submit to anything that they could read and argue in the law. And that led to a place of scrutiny when they met Jesus. In fact, last week, if we could just look back at that text, we see it in chapter 5. Here's how the scribes and the Pharisees responded. Look in verse, sorry, it'd be helpful if I was not in Matthew. Um, I was cheating there. Um, verse 21, as the healing happens, as Jesus uh, brings, uh, speaks forgiveness, here's the way the Pharisees responded to that. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So you got some people celebrating and amazed at this work. You got the Pharisees complaining and griping about it as they're wondering what's going on here. And then there's Levi standing on the outside watching the crowds come out. And then we have the scene here. Jesus encounters Levi. Verse 27 is after this, so just right after the healing and the forgiveness happened, after this, he went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. There's several things about Jesus here that we must grab hold of and celebrate. First of all, one thing that we must grab hold of and celebrate here is that Jesus does see and notice others. Not just others. He he notices all people. He notices all types of people, particularly those people who need him. Jesus is fully fully aware of the role of the tax collector. He's not blind to it. He's fully aware of the type of emotions that a Jewish tax collector uh, conversing with Jesus and how that would fuel certain things. Jesus still sees him. He sees not just tax collector, trader, collaborator with Rome. He sees Levi. He sees the person. He sees the person more than he sees the profession. If profession matter to Jesus, if what we did mattered all the time to Jesus, if our labels mattered to Jesus, Jesus most likely would have spent more time with the scribes and Pharisees or even the Roman guards because he wanted to make sure, I mean, I could see him thinking, uh, let's make sure we please them, impress them. They're on our side, that the road is wide instead of narrow when we walk down, but that's not who Jesus said. Instead, Jesus is walking and talking with the Pharisees, almost blowing them off as he's coming out of the room and he goes to Levi. I love this. He goes and pursues the vile as he walks past the people of prestige. Think about this. Jesus is at the top of his ministry game in a way, right? Like he is, he just healed a man. They're bringing people, tearing open roofs just for them to come to Jesus. That sounds like somebody that's pretty popular. Sounds like he's like got the crowd. It sounds like he's won the people over. He heals them. He not only heals them, he forgives them. And this would be the time. If Jesus were operating like a lot of us in our culture who want to think that the church is about building bigger buildings and bigger churches and bigger crowds and, and being known for writing all of this stuff and doing all this stuff, this would be the time where uh, Jesus would say, okay, hang on, I'm gonna go over and hang out with the Pharisees because they're sort of disgruntled and I'm gonna make sure they're on board. No. Jesus goes for the local man, just like he did with Simon Peter and James and John just before this. He goes past the religious elite and he sees the man at the booth. The booth that represents collaboration with oppression. There's a man behind the booth. There's a man that nobody wants to talk to. Jesus says, I'm gonna go talk to him. I love this. Things haven't changed either. This is who Jesus is. Jesus notices This is who God is. He's always, we know the story in Genesis where God uh, sent an angel to Hagar. And he's known as the God who sees even this sort of slave servant girl that nobody else wants to respect. God sees and he comes for you. Not only, that leads to the next point, does he see you? He reaches to you. He wants to approach Levi not just Levi, all types of people, but if he's willing to cross around the booth to go to this tax collector, surely he will do this for others. I love this. He went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. Wait, why didn't he say, okay, hey, Levi, give me your resume? Hey, Levi, let me see how many friends are following you on Instagram. See if this is even worth the trouble because I'm going to catch a lot of havoc here. I mean, if I'm going to hook my wagon or allow you to hook your wagon to me, man, there's going to be people coming after me. Um, there's going to be a lot of, like, just having Simon come on board, I had all these probably moms coming after me saying, I don't want my kids hanging around with you uh, because of this fisherman's now hanging around with you. But now I got this tax collector come along. No, he didn't do any of that. He sees him, and he reaches to him. Just when Simon Peter was the most vulnerable coming off the boat, coming off the long night of empty nets with empty nets, Jesus reaches to him. And just when Levi, taking all of this in, is out of place and in a position where he has no friends, nobody loving him, nobody helping him, most vulnerable, Jesus pursues him and rescues him. Jesus sees him. He reaches to him. And Jesus welcomes him. He, he says to him, follow me. Like, I'm inviting you in. I want you to be a part. Like, like this is who I am. I want you, even you. Rebel, traitor. That's what they're going to call you. But you're going to be now following me. And they're going to put a new name on top of you. And it's going to be disciple. Apostle. What we see here is not only things about Jesus that stun us and, and that, that that make us appreciate deeply who He is. We see something important here that those who need change, those who are desperate, those who are brokenhearted, and they encounter Jesus, they respond in a certain way, don't they? Here we see Levi. Leaves everything. Sitting at the tax booth, he said to him, follow me, and verse 28, and leaving everything. Levi most likely watched all of those people who followed Jesus. He would watch them as he also watched Jesus. He knew about them, and I'm sure in his mind, he's trying to figure out, how was that guy getting to follow him? How was that guy on board with him? How does this happen? And then all of a sudden, now he has this invitation. Now he sees that he has this chance for liberty and for freedom. When we see this word leaving everything, there's a big, fancy theological word for this. Ready? He repents. He repents. He lets it go. What do I got to hang on to? This booth, we'll get more into this later, but like, like, it, it's like there's these scales in this life. Like, on one scale, this is everything I have without Jesus. This is everything I have where I'm not following him. This is what I, I have when I'm following Rome. This is what I have when I'm following the oppressor. This is what I have when I'm following the pressures of my family, my neighborhood. This is what I have when I'm following culture right here. I want to keep up, and it's just mounting and mounting and mounting, and it seems like it weighs a lot. And here's Jesus saying, leave it all. Follow me. He just gets rid of all of it. He leaves everything. We call this the repentant life. Levi needed this. He needed Jesus. He needed this invitation. And he gladly leaves everything. But we also see that those who need this healing, this help, and this change, when they encounter Jesus, they don't only leave everything, they rise up and follow him. Leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Jason, that's not real creative. Well, that's what we say. He left everything and followed him. There's two points of the sermon. I didn't write them. They're right there. A repentant life and now the obedient life. Leaving everything, I repent. I'm chunking this. I'm ditching this. I'm going here. And now he rose to follow him Is I'm rising to follow in obedience to him. If we think about both of these realities we look at Levi and we look at Simon Peter how they left everything they didn't just leave it they left it to go after something they believed to be better and they submitted their life to it it is a life of discovery it's a life of I don't have it all figured out it's a life of I don't even know where we're going but he saw me he pulled me out And he invited me. I need him. Left everything. So now I will obey him. And we see here what that kind of life leads to. And Simon Peter, it led to this celebration within their own family. And we see here a different kind of celebration. Those who need healing, help, and change. And they encounter Jesus. And they leave everything, repentance. And they follow him, obedience. It leads to a life of celebration and worship what is the next response here okay uh Levi here's what I need you to do you're going to follow me I need you to take a class it's about 15 weeks long on evangelism and here's what you got to do uh first of all uh before you talk to anybody I need you to schedule and I got a bunch of sheets I'm going to give you they got to fill in the blanks on and look at my slides and go through this study in seminary no 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 Levi throws a party I've been rescued. So what does he do? Verse 29. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of some really cool people. More tax collectors. And others reclining at the table with them. It's important because... We need to see this as a response of worship versus something that a lot of people want to make this into. Today, many people want to misconstrue what's happening in verse 29. Today, people want to use this example and others like it as a highlight of Jesus' tolerance for sin and sinners and their lifestyle. They want to say, well, look, Jesus is with them. He's not condemning them. He actually went and hung out with them instead of those who are trying to do good and be religious people. It's interesting how people use this very story right here and others like it to support their agenda to portray Jesus as accepting of sin and sinful gatherings and a lifestyle. See how tolerant Jesus is. See how accepting Jesus is. That's not... What's going on here? Verse 28, we see that Levi left that lifestyle. Leaving it. I'm following him. I'm not gonna follow this lifestyle. I'm not asking Jesus to come down to my level. I'm leaving everything I got to go to his level. And I'm letting this place go to get to him. We also know in verse 28, so not only did he repent and he obeyed, we see what's happening in verse 29, this party, and I don't understand exactly everything that's going on with the party. Could be that Levi is just wanting to celebrate a new birthday in his life. He wants to celebrate a spiritual birthday, and so he's going to invite whoever he knows to invite, and he knows no one else wants to come into his house except these kind of people. Perhaps, there's a lot of people, as my youth ministry you always uses first to say, see, he, he saved and he threw a party invited all his lost people so that they can get saved by Jesus too. Maybe that's what's going on. All we know is he repented, left everything, he's obeying Jesus, and he's celebrating with him with the people that he knows to celebrate with. We also know this isn't a message about Jesus tolerating sin because if you notice what Jesus' own words say in verse 31 and 32, when the Pharisees were grumbling, accusing him of hanging out and tolerating the sin, see how it reverses? It's the religious leaders that were accusing him of him and tolerating sin. And now we go all the way to our culture today, and it's, it's the lost people outside of the church that point back to Jesus. and say, see, Jesus tolerates sinners and sin. But Jesus' response is this. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Um, It's actually quite the opposite. Jesus refers to them as sick, unwell. Translate that broken, not whole, incomplete. He refers to them, calls it out, sinners. He's not tolerating their sickness. He's not tolerating their brokenness. He's not tolerating the sinful patterns of their life, saying it's okay that you remain that way. No, he's engaging them in it, inviting them out of it. I love this. In most churches, that's where a church would go, yeah, that's right. I don't hear that here, but that's okay. Because that's exciting. We have a Savior who has demonstrated not only that he came as a baby to this world, Philippians 2, kind of stuff, and and, and took on the form of flesh, but he's actually living out the example right here. I'm going into this home and showing them a better way. I love this. Luke also records um, in Luke chapter 9. Some words that Matthew also said. I love this. Um, I think the passage in Luke may come up on the screen, but I'm actually going to read Matthew because this is Levi we're talking about, and this is what, who later his name is Matthew, here's what he says that Jesus said. So Matthew's recording these very words. It says, Whoever does not take up his cross, And follow me is not worthy of me. And whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Even Levi would say to people today, No, Jesus didn't tolerate my sin. Jesus didn't tolerate my friends' sin. But Jesus is not all, He's also not intimidated by our depravity, He's the Lord. And he will engage in all of his majesty, my depravity, and invite me out of it. I love this. He's not accepting sinners, but calling the sinners out of this lifestyle. So, before we close, let's zoom in just a bit tighter as we contrast Levi's response to his encounter with Jesus With the response of the Pharisees who are encountering Jesus repeatedly. As we've seen here, Levi's response is a normal response to somebody who's just been given life, somebody who's just been seen and loved and invited into something pure and perfect and good, a new start, a restart, a new birth. We should notice that Levi does not respond. If you love me, you'd accept me as I am, Jesus. No, he left everything and followed him. Notice that Levi does not respond with a hit list. Oh, yeah, all y'all who thought I was unworthy, I'm coming after you, Pastor Goings. I'm coming after you, Elder John. I'm coming after, not that our elders act like this, but I'm just picturing, like, there's not a hit list. In Levi, or at least we don't see it anywhere in Matthew, we don't see it anywhere in the context of the Gospels, that, that now that he is hooked and linked in with Jesus, there's not this, I'm coming after all of you who shunned me. I'm going to expose you. I'm going to right the way. I'm going to make it. No. He left it all. That means even the people that wounded him, even the people that hurt him, even the people that he couldn't fix and argue and win stuff against, he just said, okay, I'm moving on because this guy loves me and I'm going with him and we've got stuff to do. In fact, I love it so much, I'm gonna throw a party. Who's invited? Well, only the people who would come into my house, they're invited. Is this how you live your life? And all in appreciation, just that Jesus would speak to you, come to you, invite you. Listen, if you've gotten over that, then we have failed you at this church. Listen, there's no one that should ever get over that. Jesus loves me. I don't know much, but I know that. And live your life in response to that. He loves me. He paid for my sins. He called me out. He invited me. He says, follow me. I'm going to let everything go. I'm going to obey him and I'm going to worship him. Well, how did the Pharisees respond to their encounters with Jesus? Verse 30, the Pharisees and the scribes, there's that word, Grumbled. grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? I'm sure there was more words involved in the grumbling, but it was accusations. It was grumbling. They just witnessed Jesus healing. They just heard him forgive a man of his sins and pronounced him uh, basically saved and whole. And here they have him crossing the booth and hanging out with those who are sinning. I don't see that the Pharisees and the scribes move from health to better health. I see that these are men who have stayed and remain unchanged and sick, not celebrating. The difference here is we see that there's one and there are some who are aware of their need and there are some who think, I don't really need anything else. In fact, I need that person to be quiet. I need that guy to say it differently. I need Jesus to be someone different than he is. That's what the Pharisees were doing. But then there's those of us that say, I just, I just need Jesus, all of him, completely him. Like Simon, James, John, Levi, our response to our encounter with Jesus is to repent Leave everything. Have you done that? It's to obey. Rise up and follow him. Have you done that? Are you doing that daily? And it's to worship. It's to celebrate your freedom with great joy. Don't go back. Keep celebrating. Or you could be like Pharisees who remain clinging to your habits, your idols and your ways. You can ignore the supremacy and the authority of Christ and keep playing church and you can grumble. How are we living in response to this? This is now, I'm gonna cross into a territory that's uncomfortable for me. Uh, This is my attempt to be more like Kyle when he preaches uh, and this is gonna make Uh, Maybe some of your eyes to roll back because I'm screwing up trying to be like Kyle. I admit that. But if you look at these two responses, there is Levi who repents, obeys, worships. You can row toward great joy. No laughter. I thought that was cool. (laughs) And then there's a response of the Pharisees that rig their life. You can reject, you can ignore, and you can grumble. You can rig your life and position it however you want to position it and stay unchanged. Stay not celebrating. But God called you to repent and obey and worship. Quit trying to rig things in your life so that it's comfortable. Just say yes to Christ and let's go of the pain. Jesus had a purpose, and just to remind everybody, it's going to be kind of that recurring verse that we say all the time as we look at this passage. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind to set, the, set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And every encounter we see that Jesus has, specifically this one with Levi, is exactly that. Jesus so loved the world. God so loved the world that he sent his son so that anyone can be invited in if they acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord. He died, he took your place to pay for your sins so that you don't have to, so that you don't have to wear the label sinner, partier, cheater, collaborator, abuser, wild man, wild woman, whatever, but instead redeemed, free. That's what the cross represents for you and for me. But we have to repent, leave everything. We have to obey and follow him. And then that what do we do at this church? Every song we sing, every gathering that we have is us worshiping and celebrating and throwing a party with other tax collectors. Let's pray. Lord, you own At all, you could have gone to anyone. Jesus, you could have walked out of that house and dined with the Pharisees. You could have walked out of that house and dined with the wealthiest person in the area. Maybe Levi was the wealthiest person, I don't know. But you chose to reach across the booth to someone who was aware of his need. Do that today, oh Lord, if there's anyone in this room that is fully aware of their need right now, I pray that they would leave everything to follow you. That they wouldn't that they would stop rigging their life and living a life that grumbles and is unhappy. But I pray that right now, today, they'd let go. And run to you. We thank you for the invite. We thank you for the pulling. We thank you for the life that only comes from you anyway. It is all yours. We are yours. And we thank you, oh Lord, for the rest of us who have already chosen to let it go and obey you. Thank you for not letting us getting over it or get over it, but to worship you. And let us be crazy about our worship because you're crazy for us too. We love you in Jesus' name.